Somewhere, a rival executive is twisting themselves into a pretzel attempting to prove that Sunday's Bieber performance was actually bad. You're listening to the Selfie is Godcast with Zach Meisel and TJ Zupi. Subscribe to Selby Is Godcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbelievable. Just imagine them, Zach, fighting the air, being so upset. Oh, I had it. I had it positioned perfectly. Nobody wants Shane Bieber. Oh, wait, whoops. Still looks all right. Could that guy start a playoff game for you? I don't know. I think so. Right? I don't know. Baseball savant little bubbles might suggest <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> uh, it, is, it is funny. We've had this joke. It feels like a thousand different times over the last couple of years that we're all focused on what's happening below the surface with him. And it's perfectly acceptable to be wondering those things. That That's the... The part that you wonder, is it sustainable? Is it projectable? All things that are very important for any executive, any front office person that it would be potentially making a trade or us, even just looking at his performance and thinking, is this a guy that you believe in? Is this a guy that you'd even want to have an extension? Discussing it with him. And yet, we would be having these conversations as he's twirling six superb innings. Or it'd be maintaining a no-hitter through the first four or five innings, it would be going, yeah, but if you look at the velocity, if you look at the swing rate, and meanwhile, he's still getting results. I understand you can't just toss out a guy's worst performance because the extremes are can sometimes be just as informative as the stuff that happens in the middle. But if you were to remove that Orioles start, his surface numbers would look spectacular he'd be on his way to another all-star appearance. So that's why it still is a little bit funny to be having conversations about Bieber's worth when most of the time he's giving you like a top-of-the-rotation performance, even if underneath the surface it doesn't always match what you would expect. I think there are four scenarios here. So there's Bieber pitches well, but the team stinks. And the refrain there is, trade him. His value's high. Team's not going anywhere anyway. Bieber pitches poorly and the team stinks. Trade him. Get this guy out of here as quickly as possible. We got to get something in return. There's Bieber pitches poorly, but the team is good, which we haven't really seen yet. But that would be probably trade him. (laughs) We could just let Gavin Williams do that and let's get something else in here. But there's the scenario that we saw Sunday, that I think is the one where I don't really know what the answer is, which is Bieber pitches really well and the team's playing really well. And then you're starting to think, hmm, do we need that guy in October? Do we need that guy in September? Yeah. Um, and we're playing well. What does the team need? Like I, that, I think that's where fans, I've seen the discourse be a little more split. Whereas two weeks ago, I think the majority of people were like, yeah, makes sense, trade them. So... It's going to be interesting. Um, I think the motivations here are interesting too. Obviously, Bieber wants to pitch well every time out. That's You're an athlete. You're competitive. Whatever. 
But he also knows he has to, like, whatever scouts and people are saying, front office executives, I mean, he's got to prove to them that he's worth a long-term extension, too, eventually. So that doesn't mean that he's studying his baseball savant circles and trying to turn the blue into red, but he's got to do what he did last year, which is maybe the stuff doesn't look like what it used to, but he had a 288 ERA, and he looked really good in the playoffs, and maybe the metrics don't matter. So it's going to be interesting. I think everyone is pulling from the same rope, but maybe for different reasons. It was interesting to see him go back to the curveball a little bit more in this start. We talked about the, the cutter usage and how he's really relied heavily on the cutter, and it's become a cutter-slider combination to go with the fastball. And maybe that's just a little bit too much east and west and not enough north and south to get hitters off of the stuff that's moving sideways. Now, I, I don't, I'm not pre- pretending you can look at one start and say, ah, oh, he's made some big adjustment here. It, it really wasn't a, it was a very subtle adjustment in the curveball usage getting back up from the past couple of starts. Sometimes that's just the product of the team that you're facing, the, the individual game plan. It's not like an aha moment where you look at somebody's pitch usage in just one individual game. But it will be continuously monitored by us, by everybody, by opposing executives, all jokes aside. But I think you raise an interesting point. If you think that this team still has a shot in the playoffs at competing for a World Series, hey, it's silly to say that when the record is what it is. But the division also is what it is, so you can't just dismiss it. As we've talked about a thousand times on this show, when you get an opportunity, you never know when you're going to get another one. And sometimes that's just the result of the division being what it is. Whatever. Can this team get to where it it thought it could at the beginning of the season if it doesn't have Shane Bieber? Is there a scenario where that exists, where they could make that trade, take advantage of still having the year and two months of, of control for the team that's trading for him so you get more potentially in return, and this team can still accomplish those things? I'm skeptical. I think this rotation still needs... Be, even if it's not starting game one, if someone else by the end of the season has emerged as a more legitimate game one option, I don't know that you're going to be able to pull off the the Trevor Bauer, the Mike Clevenger, get pieces now and get pieces for the future. I'm not sure that that scenario exists. And aren't you doing yourself a disservice if you think that this team still has a shot at making some noise in the playoffs? And given what the the rotation has looked like recently, the fact that the offense has woken up a little bit here recently. And yes, the bullpen has had some hiccups, but overall the numbers are very, very good. Isn't this still a team that, if they're playing their best baseball, could make noise in the postseason? So I think there are two two thoughts at play here. And I think they're the two overarching themes of the season. And they sort of... Uh, how do I want to describe this? It's like they run parallel to each other, but they intersect at some point somehow. I, I know that's not possible, all my math nerds, but um, the the one thing is, and this is why I keep saying I don't care about the AL Central. I don't care about what the team's record is because the thing to me is, can they, if you get to October, and they, they do have a path to October because of the division, if they get there, do they look like a team 
that can hang with Tampa, Texas, Houston, whoever else emerges in the playoffs. Over the last two weeks, absolutely. They look like one of those legitimate contenders. All the evidence leading up to the last two weeks, absolutely not. So I just don't know yet what the real Guardians team is. But the last two weeks, where they finally put all the phases of the game together, they hit the starting pitching, the rotation is, it's rolling right now, and it's healthy. And the bullpen, you know, you're still tripping in a pothole every few days, but you see the potential there, right? I mean, it's, it's class A looks a lot better. Um, Karen checks at triple A now, but you're, you're seeing better signs from the bullpen, I think. So you can see what this team could be. It's just, are they closer to that full time or are they closer to the team that can't stop stubbing its toe? Yeah. I don't know yet. Cause I don't think this is a large enough sample size. I think the other thought we need to have is more about Bieber, but it, 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 hinges on the first part of the equation because with Bieber you're trading him this summer or this winter that's happening okay maybe there's some scenario somehow where you just let him walk but they don't do that especially with pitchers so I feel pretty confident saying he won't be a guardian in 2024 so if that's the case you have to determine if trading him this summer if the extra value you can get by dealing him to a team that can get him for two playoff runs instead of one is the difference maker is because you know you can trade him this winter and you can have anyone who thinks that they're going to be a contender would be interested but they know it's only one year maybe a more limited number of teams you could get this summer, although there are only a handful of teams who aren't in contention. So I think I think the thought process here has to be, do you like your chances enough in 2023 where the extra value you can get in a trade is not worth it to you? Because you need him if you like your chances in 2023. That's, that's the calculus, is... How much of a drop do you do you believe that what you've seen over the last two weeks is the real Guardians team? And if that's the case, how much of a drop off is there if you trade Bieber? Now, that's impossible to answer right now because you don't know what they're going to get. And that's why I think this is follow my path here. <laughs> that's why I think what determines all of this is not anything the Guardians are doing. It's what teams will offer. And when you have, I mean, you could have eight to 10 teams interested. You might have some teams offering prospects, some teams offering major leaguers, some teams offering a combination of both. Some teams feeling more desperate because like Baltimore, they're here, right? And the thing they need is starting pitching or Texas. They're here and they look as formidable as anyone. And they just lost Jacob deGrom. Will they feel more desperate? Will the Cardinals feel more desperate because the NL Central is incredibly winnable and they keep stubbing their toe like the Guardians? So I, I think you 
I think everything depends on what teams are offering. And I think I think that's going to create a really fascinating decision for Cleveland's front office. The other part of this that's semi-comical, given how everything happened prior to the last two weeks, how many of these games in this recent stretch have hinged on things going well where they didn't go well prior to that? We That was part of what made that team, up to the last two weeks, so difficult to fully kick to the curb and say, out of here, I'm done with this season. All the one-run losses, all of the blown, uncharacteristic blown saves or blown games by a reliever, times where just one base hit would have unlocked the game. And I'm not saying that that's, that's part of the game. That's part of baseball. Things happen well. They don't happen well. It's part of what happens over 162 games, and your record becomes what it is. But in evaluation of the team, you have games like Friday night, which might be the, the major league game of the season for all teams. Just the back and forth, and that had to have been a hell of a lot of fun watching that in person. The, Can I say? I mean, that. Did, go ahead. A 14-inning game used to be so boring, right? Because you get to extra <laughs> innings and nothing would happen. And you're pulling your hair out like someone do something. You're waiting for someone to pop a home run. And it would take forever. And now, holy shit. (laughs) I was looking for a pack of Marlboros because I I mean, it's, it's planting the runner at second base just creates interest every half inning. I mean, every half inning, there's something to think about, right? And I know some of the strategy is not great, and I was critical at it at the be- about it at the beginning because, you know, a sack bunt and a sack fly gets you a run. But if you're the road team and you get a run, you're not feeling great because <laughs> the home team could do the same thing and they could score another run and win it. And it's just, I mean, you there were so many opportunities missed. There were so many key plays to prevent a run, save the game. I mean, it was a game like that is exhilarating and that didn't exist up until a few years ago give mr manfred some credit it was uh i i like the i like the ghost runner i i do I, I have always liked it too i had to talk you into it it took some time but it's fine i've heard the criticisms that it does lead to the team's best player often getting put on base in this case it's jose ramirez never getting an opportunity in extra innings I'll push back on that a little bit because it still feels like they would pitch around teams' best hitters late in games, extra innings. It just wouldn't be the automatic, put him on first base. It would be, uh, we're not giving him anything to hit. And if he gets himself out, that's fine, but we're we're certainly not going to give him anything over the heart of the plate. I don't know. I, I do appreciate games that are just more fun. Uh, we, we've seen teams do that with Jose Ramirez in the second, third inning pitch around him even with nailers swinging the bat the way that they are or the way that he is we said it on the patreon show and by the way welcome to the show thanks for clicking play it's the selbius godcast on tj <laughs> that's zach i still would opt to pitch to nailer when he's doing what he's doing as opposed to ramirez who we've just seen it for years and years and years and it's awfully tough to look anybody in the eye after Ramirez beat you on a walk-off as opposed to Naylor. With Naylor, you could still say, oh, well, did you want us to pitch to Ramirez? I would rather take my chances. 
Now, Naylor has made them pay for that recently. And I, I'm curious, as he continues to swing the bat the way that he is, is that going to shift teams doing what they're doing with Ramirez? I'm skeptical of it, but it certainly gives them something to think about. And even as he's swinging the bat well, speaking of Naylor, he's had a few, even the one in extra innings that he hit to the fence. Mm-hmm. He's, he's had some screamers that have been at people. He still had some bad luck hidden within this excellent stretch of unbelievable offense. <laughs> he's got his OPS almost to 800. Consider where this guy was at a month ago. And we talked about the numbers below the surface not matching the surface level, and the team was preaching that to him. Stick with it, man, because what you're doing is working. It's just not working so far. But don't abandon hope because you're doing things well below the surface, and that has bubbled to the surface. Now, it's no longer like, uh, well, that bad stretch has really crippled his numbers, and he's he's just going to have a bad year because of it. No. <laughs> he's he's in the conversation to be this team's all-star representative with the way that he's swinging the bat and driving in runs. So that's it's 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 Ramirez, it's Naylor, it's Brennan. It's not about an entire offense getting clicking all at once. It's about two, three guys just swinging a hot bat. Man, that makes a gigantic difference. That's how lineup is supposed to function. Because you're always going to have a couple guys who are scuffling. And a couple guys who are just in the middle. But they didn't have the couple guys who are red hot. No one was hot, ever, in the first two months. So, yeah, I mean, Naylor's been obliterating the baseball for six, seven weeks now. And he was hitting it hard in April, too, and just wasn't getting rewarded for it. So, having that threat behind Jose Ramirez, I think, is paramount. Will Brennan getting going and, and him hitting seventh? I think that helps too because it's just a another safety net. You don't feel like if you're a pitcher and you get past Ramirez and Naylor, it's there is someone else lurking. Jimenez has been better lately. So yeah, the lineup is starting to get filled out. There's still a huge black hole at catcher. Um I but I, I again I, I just we always preach on the show. The truth lies in the middle. You're never as bad as you are when you're ice cold. You're never as good as you are when you're red hot. They just had double-digit hits in all six games on the homestand, and that's the first time they've had 10 or more hits in six consecutive games in five years, right? Does that mean that this is who they are, and they're going to have 10 (laughs) hits a night for the next 100 games? I don't know about that. But... Does the truth lie closer to what we've seen for the last two weeks or to what we saw for the first two months? That's the question. That's that's what we need to see more evidence of. I think that's why it's a good thing for this team that the trade deadline is not until August 1st. If it was on June 15th, uh, I think they'd be panicking. <laughs> it would be tough to figure this team out. So I I, I will keep saying this. Find me a more interesting team at the trade deadline this year than Cleveland. Find me a more interesting team to keep an eye on over the next six weeks because they have decisions to make. And it's we've talked about Bieber. Everyone's talking about Bieber. You know what no one is talking about? Trading some prospects to go get that hitter you want. Trading some prospects to go get a pitcher. What if you trade Bieber and then go trade prospects and... Get a pitcher who's got more team control. 
I mean, there are, there are a lot of things they could do. And I think because we've seen both ends of the spectrum, we've seen this team when they can't hit, when they can't protect a lead, and when they just look lifeless. We've seen that team. And we've seen this team play really well against the Astros in Baltimore, which they never do. Split a series with the Twins where really they could have swept. They could have swept the Red Sox. They blew that game. And Yel De Los Santos with his first bad outing of the season. Of course, it comes at a time when they trust him in the eighth inning. So, we've seen every possible scenario for this team play out so far. They could do a lot of things. They could trade Beaver. They could trade Prospects. They could do both. Find me a more interesting team over the next six weeks than the Guardians. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think it comes down to, do you believe this team's best baseball is still ahead of them? Are they doing it now? It certainly wasn't in the past. But we, we, we do maybe overcomplicate things to a certain extent. Once you get into August and September, that question no longer applies because then you've made certain decisions. But now, late May, early June, you are asking yourself, is your best baseball ahead of you? Or are you doing that right now? I have seen a lot from this current stretch to suggest that their best baseball could still be ahead of them, that they could still not necessarily sustain what they're doing offensively, but there are elements here to be a winning club, and a lot of what we thought about this team going into the season is still achievable. It doesn't matter what the record is to this point. We're looking at from this point forward now. I mean, you might as well flush it. You can't change the record. You can't change where they're at in the standings. It and is what it is matters. now. So, Exactly. You're pushing forward from this point today. I do, you're right. We don't know. We don't know what this team ultimately is. We don't know if Will Brennan's recent stretch here is proof that he is the hitter that you thought he was coming into the year, or if this is just a nice lightning-fueled, Stretch that's not going to be consistently achievable for him. Can, can Jose and Naylor continue swinging the bat at like a 200 WRC plus level? I'm a little skeptical of that. But as they come back down to earth, are, is anybody else in this lineup capable of kind of making up for what is lost? Is Josh Bell ever going to fully awaken like he did a little bit on Sunday? That was a pleasure to see. All things we're going to be addressing over the next month and a half. You don't want to pin your hopes to praying, catching lightning in a bottle. The game plan isn't, it, it can't be, hey, if we can just survive and win this division, maybe we just get hot. That's not, like, you don't make franchise-altering decisions based on that possibility. Because that possibility will exist. They might be able to win 84 games and win the AL Central. But 
if you don't think you're actually comparable to these good teams in the American League, then that doesn't matter, right? Like it's it's about over the last couple of weeks, they've looked like a formidable opponent. They look like a team that other teams would be like, oh, uh, I don't really want to play the Guardians. Like that's what you want. So if that's legitimate, and again, we need more of a sample size, I think. The record doesn't matter. Winning the AL Central, whatever, that's fine. That's that's your that's your path. But the question is, are you a legitimate contender? And you can be a legitimate contender with 85 wins if you know you just got off to a miserable start and you had to clear some things up. And over the next few months, they look really formidable. We've seen that before. But you can't just plan and say, okay, well, you know, we'll trade Bieber and we'll plug in Gavin Williams and we'll just hope that these rookies write this incredible script that becomes a movie like that's not that can't be the game plan the game plan can be you know we trade Bieber because we get that one hitter who cements our lineup as a legit threat or we hang on to Bieber because we think Bieber McKenzie Bybee is the way to go this year and we'll trade Bieber next year and we think Valera can be the missing piece something like that or we trade prospects for to get that hitter we need like there are different decisions you can make that can help you become a more realistic threat. But it can't just be, well, you know, we're in this division and we can win it, so let's just see what happens. It's it's the decisions you make have to be forget the record, throw it out, throw out the fact that you're in the AL Central. That's not you're not beating your chest. I don't think you need to broadcast on live news when you put up the little flag that shows 2023 <laughs> AL Central champions. You don't need to do all that. It's not a big deal. Nobody cares. What people care about is can you capitalize on having that easy path to the playoffs and prove that you're a legitimate threat because your World Series droughts at 75 years, and that's what matters right now. I think it's also important to weigh what you thought of this team coming into the year because it is a two-week sample size. As you said, we need more. But it's not a two-week sample size that differs incredibly from maybe what you thought this team was a, was achievable at the beginning of the season, right? It'd be different if you thought this team was bad, and they had been bad up to two weeks ago. Then they turn it on, and then you're looking at it and going, well, is this real? Doesn't what we thought about them matter? That, that was also totally. what made the first two months of the season-ish once again, tough to fully flush because last were, season. were we that wrong? Were we that incredibly wrong about what this team was capable of? Were, were all of the projections that incredibly wrong about all of these hitters and they're all going to have the worst season of their lives? Is that really what's going to happen here? TJ, re- rewind 11 months ago. The team stunk in 2021. And in 2022... Like, they were hanging around, they were right around 500, and they got to the trade deadline. Yeah, because the division stunk, they were in it. But clearly the front office didn't think that this was a team that was going to end up winning 92 games and almost go to the ALCS, because they didn't make any moves at the trade deadline. So expectations do matter from the standpoint of what you believe, your confidence in what's going to happen in the future. And... Having the evidence that this team did find a formula last season that worked for them, and they won 92 games, and 
They certainly were a formidable threat against a couple of playoff opponents. Yeah, I think that factors in. It's it's confirming your suspicions. What we've seen over the last two weeks matches what we thought we'd see based on what they did last year and another year of development for a young team. But it's just, you, you can't ignore what we watched the first two months, though, either. The stuff no, ebbs and flows. No, it's, it's part of it. it it's, it's absolutely part of the entire story of the 23 Guardians. I think one of the things that has people maybe feeling more hopeful is you look at the things that still plague this team, one of them being the catching position, and a lot of people look internally and say, there's an answer still here, regardless of what the front office is saying about his readiness or how much he's going to play. We see it. We all note what he's doing at AAA. We all b- believe that he is one of the best prospects in baseball as far as being a top 100 guy. Bo Naylor is right there. And so you think this is one of the biggest issues with this club, and it has an answer within. And someday he's he's going to get that call. I think at some point this year, I hope so, <laughs> going to get that mm. call. Hopefully you're at that game, courtesy of SeatGeek. Use code SELBY at checkout on your first checkout at SeatGeek, and you can get $20 off your purchase. When's it going to be Bo Naylor time? I hear what everybody in the front office is saying. I watch them parade them out to you guys and make some... It's like they're reading from a script. But honestly, are we just waiting for the Super 2 deadline here? Is there something else at play? Is it so much about not wanting to be this wrong about Mike Zanino that the front office is letting that cloud their judgment? What what is it here that has prevented Bo Naylor from, from doing what he should be doing, playing in the major leagues with this team? So I wrote about this Monday morning, and... I'd encourage you to go read because it's I tried to take people through my thought process in asking assistant GM James Harris about it because he's and and I wrote like he's not going to get up there and say yeah well we're manipulating Bo Naylor's service time and you know we know the Zanino signing hasn't panned out but we want to give him till June 15th before we DFA him like they're not going to say things that blunt right so so I knew that. I also know, you know, James Harris isn't the guy who's walking into an office and pounding a table and saying, hey, Bo Naylor needs to be up here today and there's no more excuses. Um, his expertise, he's been head of the farm system in the past and knows everything about every prospect. So I tried to take it more from that standpoint with him. And I asked first, first I said, okay, at least shed some light on what he's made strides in since spring training, what he still could make strides in, and then what he stands to gain by still being in Columbus. That's how I framed it, and that's when he gave that first answer, which many people probably read already about, you know, he's been really impressive offensively. Defensively, I think there are some little nitpicking things, but let's be honest here. I don't need to watch Mike Zanino sail any more throws into Lake Erie to know Ugh. that Bo Naylor couldn't do any worse offensively or defensively. And I understand there's something to be said about not getting a young player beat up at the major league level. I get that. But 
you believe in the kid because you called him up at the end of last season so that he could soak up a few weeks around Austin Hedges and Sandy Alomar and Luke Maley and just the big league clubhouse in general. And all of those things that you want him to just get better at, that you want to be so sure about before he comes up here and becomes your starting catcher five days a week, those are things that he's going to gain easier at the major league level. You want him to be a leader. You want him to have a great rapport with the pitching staff and with the coaches. That's stuff that he needs to be in the major leagues to really excel at. So I I keep saying this, and I have this has been hinted to me as well, that it is more to do with Zanino than with Naylor. And it's more to do with giving a guy who landed a free agent contract every opportunity to prove he's worth one iota of it than with Naylor. The one thing would be service time. And it's not, let's maybe clear this up because I've seen so much misinformation out there. Um, it has nothing to do with gaining an extra year. Like, they did that. You gain that by usually mid-April. So, Stephen Kwan, they didn't get, you know, he'll be here under team control of the six years. Instead of, normally you get six point nine because um you keep a guy down for like two or three weeks and then you gain an extra year of control it's so stupid and antiquated but they've passed that with Naylor the only question with regards to service time now is super two status so basically your first three years as a big leaguer you earn the league minimum the next three years of team control you are arbitration eligible, and that's where you see guys their first year, depending on your position and your status. Maybe the, your first year you make $2 million, then the next year you make $5 million, then the next year you make $10 million, and then you're a free agent. You know, you're seeing it now with Bieber, where I think he went $6 million. This year it's ten, and next season, another factor, he could make $15 million. Um, so Super 2 means that guys who are, they've, been in the majors for they've got that two years of service time out of the way and you're in your third season which would be your last season as earning the major league minimum but like let's say let's say Naylor gets called up today he would have the rest of this season earning the league minimum next year earn the league minimum the year after that earn the league minimum so he'd have two point whatever six years of service time the top 22% of service time accruers in each season, the top 22% of those guys between years two and three get a fourth year of arbitration eligibility. There's no way to explain this in a simple manner, by the way. So basically, like they went to Super Baseball 2 with... lead sports center with all of this. <laughs> Um, they they had they've had some super two guys in recent years. Quantrill mm-hmm. last year, I believe. I think there were some others. Maybe Naylor. Um, so it it's maybe that's the reason. I I find it kind of hard to believe because they didn't care about it with Quan. They didn't care about it with Bybee. They didn't care about it with Allen. You know, you might run into it with Arius and Freeman, who are just sitting on the bench a lot of the time and gaining service time. The other thing is. It's impossible to project. Your 
you're guessing something that's two years into the future. Right. And the other thing is that we are at day 75 of the season. So if Naylor was called up for this road trip, he would accrue 111 days the rest of the year. He already has six days banked from the five at the end of last season, called up as the 27th man in New York a few weeks ago. So he's got six days total. So that would give him 117 days. And over the course, I think I looked back a dozen years, the cutoff point has ranged from like 115 to 146. And the average, I think, is 129. So odds are we're past it. But you never know for sure. And yes, it could cost them million, a few million bucks down the road. That's a lot of... I, I just, I, I, given how bad Zanino has been. Yeah. I mean, I also wrote just, they rank, their catchers rank last in everything. Batting average, on base percentage, slugging percentage. It's brutal. Strikeout it's rate. Awful. Zanino is the worst strikeout rate in the majors by a mile. Zanino's got negative nine defensive runs saved. Like, it's horrendous. Negative 10, by the way. Negative 10. Oh, it's up to negative wow. 10 now. Okay. Yeah, I was going to um, ask you so, if you knew who, who, was, who was leading baseball in the least defensive run saved as a catcher do you know who that is i should because i looked it up <laughs> well it's shane langoliers but do you know who is second yes. <laughs> it's mike zanino it's and i think i'm also is at minus 10 <laughs> point is like it is it's i can't say it's not service time i don't know they're they no team would ever admit that but boy that's you really have to go out of your way here to like if it is service time they're being super safe about it mm. and i think they're probably past it i mean that's why you saw the reds <laughs> called up their hotshot prospect that i think he was a top prospect in baseball like that should give you an like that's a guy who could earn a ton of money down the line yeah yeah that should give you a pretty safe indication that you're past the cutoff point and even if it is about millions which i'm skeptical that it act that this is the the leading factor. It's I don't debate anyone that that says it is a factor, but a factor, not the deciding factor. Isn't I don't know having a better catcher and potentially getting you on the path to the playoffs a little bit. I don't, can't you make that up in just playoff revenues and just having a better team? Can't you just make that up somewhere in the the aggregate? I, but I am skeptical that that is the the lone deciding factor with him. But even if it's not Bo Naylor, let's just say that they there is something that we don't see or what they're saying is actually true, that they, there's something he needs to work on, whatever. It still doesn't have to be Zanino getting the bulk of the catching opportunities because as we are pointing to with the defensive run saved, negative 10 for Zanino, negative 10. And the throwing, it's just been awful. We knew the blocking was terrible. It's been unwatchable defensively behind the plate. But you know who's leading baseball in defensive runs saved as a catcher? He's also on your team. It's Cam Gallagher. And if I have mm -hmm. to choose between getting good defense and maybe you position it as slightly less ceiling out of Gallagher offensively, even though I'm not sure I buy that right now. I will take the better defense, the guy that 
your the ace of your staff believes in. Bieber doesn't want anybody else to catch him right now. He's getting better results. If the pitchers enjoy working with him more and he's performing better behind the plate and he's making that element of the game, I, we have seen really brutally bad offensive catchers for years. What's another year of that as long as I'm getting the defense that goes with it? I mean, when you watched Roberto Perez have all of these terrible years and you, you watched Hedges barely be able to do anything offensively, but they were leading the staff and they were throwing out runners and they were bl- preventing blocking runs and doing all of these things behind the plate. It was tough to stomach, but at least you were getting that side of the ball. At least you were getting elite-level defense or something close to it. And if you're getting that with Gallagher, then why the hell are you playing Zanino anymore? Why the hell is that guy getting the bulk of the opportunities? He shouldn't. Gallagher should be, if you're not calling up Naylor, if you're not figuring out a way to make that work, then I think Gallagher needs to be behind the plate most nights. And Zanino, sorry. You're not cutting it offensively. You're not giving us really any signs of anything happening there with the bat. I will live with it. I mean, it's the defense that has driven me more nuts than the offense. I, we've seen it offensively. What is, is it going to surprise me that you're getting nothing offensively? I said it in, in our Discord. I don't really care. I mean, what he's provided so far, Zanino, if he hit three, four, five more well-timed home runs the rest of the year, I'd be satisfied with him offensively. It's the lack of defense. It's the fact that it's just teams running around like it's a merry-go-round on the bases and him sailing throws into center field and pitchers probably having some degree of hesitation in throwing a, a, a filthy breaking pitch in the dirt because you don't know if your catcher is going to be able to come up with it with a guy on second or third base. These are the things that are driving me crazy. I would love to have Bo Naylor up here. I think he should be up here. And everything they have said to this point sounds like a lot of BS to me. But if you're not going to make that call, then you certainly could just go with the other guy that's performing better. Give Gallagher the opportunities. People love throwing to him, and he's performing better. What are we even talking about here? Are you trying to go win the the division? Then go with your better option. And if you're not going to go with the best option, the guy that's at AAA, then at least go with the guy that is performing defensively and guys like throwing to. Doesn't seem so hard to me. Keep going. You're feeling it. (laughs) That's all. That's all I had to say on the, the matter. I don't know, maybe they want to, I mean, clearly, they, so the other thing is, okay. you have David Fry as a third catcher. Remember, David Fry spent the first month of the season at AAA and didn't catch once. And they've used him. He was the extra inning guy in that 14-inning marathon. And so clearly, because you could have called up Bo Naylor weeks ago to fill that role, even if you wanted to give Zanino more time. But when I think when Bo Naylor comes up here, they want him to be the guy. They want him to catch five times a week. Do it, or at least you know Do be it. a timeshare with Gallagher if if you if you value Gallagher's defense that much. So I don't know. I I, I continue to be stumped. I continue to not get any clarity from anyone. Um. So we'll see. I mean, I I can't. I service time or not like I, I i i feel like i've said this for weeks but like i can't see how like how would you not call him up by a week from now but i could have said that last week i mean how is saturday not the final 
straw. How is watching that and... Maybe it was. He just looks cooked. Now, let's say they, they cut him and he picks up somebody somewhere else. And by the end of the year, he's had a couple of, of nice home runs. And is anyone going to be mad if you, if you turn to Bo Naylor? Yeah, anyone... it's Twitter. <laughs> Would anyone have a legitimate gripe? No. No, no, there, there would not be. It'd be one thing if you were cutting Zanino and then you just had nothing else and then he went somewhere else and you well, what, what, what was that? If you're, if you're getting rid of the veteran to clear the space for the, the young catcher that everyone wants up here, regardless of if Naylor has struggles, I, I like the outcome that better prepares Naylor to be your catcher for the next six years. And I think that, as you said earlier, the final touches of making him a big league catcher is probably going to come in the big leagues. He's more than likely not going to achieve that doing it at a AAA. Or maybe they just want to get him more on the same page with uh, Zach Plesek at, at AAA, and apparently that relationship could continue. Uh, mildly shocked. No one, no one took a flyer on on Plesek. Yeah, I. What type of team would have taken a flyer? A bad one, like the Kansas City Royals but can't use Plesac. Here's the problem with it: you'd be on the hook for eh, a little more than a million bucks, which whatever. But the guy was getting torched at AAA. Sure. I do think there is a reputation out there of someone who maybe lets their emotions get the best of them in key moments. So, and I mean, let's be real. Like he's probably headed for free agency in some sort of Fran Reyes-esque path back to the majors, right? I'm a little surprised, but I guess I'm, I don't know. I'm not shocked. I don't just like. Because the other if, thing is, if, if you if you claim him and maybe you, the best case scenario is you get him back on track and he's a solid pitcher, but then you owe him another year of arbitration. And I don't know. I think maybe it was just kind of hard for teams to. I, I guess. Foresee that. Oh, there's not a team that could just use the innings, just someone to soak them up, even if they're not great innings. I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little yeah. surprised. Not that I couldn't see this as a potential outcome, but it would have been further down the list of, of what I was expecting. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a good thing that they maintain some depth here. Because if uh, seven guys are not able to pitch anymore, then maybe he would be next in line. But Cody Morris is back. Be a nice guy to have in this team, especially with as taxed as the bullpen has been, which led to James Karinchek getting booted back down to AAA. And I'm not sure that it's entirely performance related. I don't know. That was another one that was mildly shocking, given that he's he's been pitching all right at the major league level. And I'm sure he, that was part of the frustration in what Tito talked about on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, none of this has gone according to plan. I think that 14-inning game messed things up because... 
You send down Karachek, you call up Heron. Heron pitches, what do you throw, like 50 pitches on Saturday, which was not the intent. And so that was just to save the bullpen. And so then he is of no use to you on Sunday, so you send him down. Cody Morris was supposed to have three one-inning relief appearances for AAA over the next week, and instead you just bring him back to the major leagues immediately because you need the arm. So this has not gone according to plan, but sometimes this is what happens. Remember when Jabba Chamberlain lost his job in 2016 because they had the 19-inning game? I was going to text you that after Friday's game that this feels a lot like someone losing their spot. Now, in the case of Karinczak, he's got the option. So it it made... I think that was part of the the equation here, too. Uh, Maybe you think there's something that could benefit him from not overloading. You can manage his workload for the next week and a half at AAA, not pitch him too much, have him work on something command-wise, because that's been the one thing here still recently. Not that he's ever a great command pitcher, but he's still prone to put a couple of guys on base, and it's tough to trust him entirely, even if the numbers suggest that you should be in a close game. Yeah. Even, he's been a lot better, but the walks are still, I mean, the command is still an issue. Right. So I don't know what the fix is. I know he went down to AAA in 2021 and was much better when he came back. I know Nick Sandlin has gone down and come back with better command. So I don't know if maybe it's an easy fix. Maybe it's truly just go down for 10 days. Cause we have to, someone has to do it and you're the guy, but I mean, I, I, I think it, I, I, I keep saying this. I think the bullpen is fine. I think it's deep. It's truly just, and if you look at the numbers, I think we mentioned this the other day, like, I don't know where they are updated, but last time I looked, they were second in ERA. Like, it's, they just have had some really, really poor timing. And it's another thing. It's it's why I keep saying, it's like, I need more evidence. I need to watch this team more before I really understand what they are. Because I think, in our minds, we all think, man, the bullpen's been a mess. Has it, though? It's really just been a different guy at yeah. bad times blowing a game. But I, I think the potential's there for this bullpen to be really good still. And to realize that potential, I think they need Karen Check throwing strikes and, and sure not falling behind hitters. Well, I think the overall point is he's he wouldn't be going anywhere if not for what just took place Correct. on Friday. It wasn't like, a, well, we, we we really need to get him on track. No. Somebody, as you said, needed to do it. And they think that it's beneficial for him to be the guy. New York has a 276 ERA in their bullpen. That's best in the major leagues. Second is Cleveland, 301. It's actually improved since the last time we talked about this in terms of ERA. And the next team is Houston at the 320. So there's a huge separation between... Cleveland and Houston in the second and third spots. In terms of overall performance, I got no complaints overall. Have there been some occasional hiccups and and unfortunate outcomes or extra innings? Class A gives up a run that doesn't actually get attached to the ERA because it was a, an extra runner or something like that. Yeah, those things have happened. Um, and it's led to 
their record being what it is. If not for those games, you could just flip it. You could easily see this team being three games above 500. But that's not the way baseball works. Any team can make that, that call, that case. Minnesota could certainly say, well, if uh, our bullpen didn't blow it again in Toronto, we would be feeling much, much better. But nope, there goes a three-run bomb to the seats. Their bullpen, uh, as much as we've watched that with Cleveland, just like the unfortunate blow-up guy after night after night, it's a different guy. Minnesota's just been plagued by that. And they go out and trade for guys that also then stink once they get there. They're having no luck in their bullpen, and Cleveland fans are so here for it. <laughs> when you least expect it, well, I was going to say, Emilio Pagan will rear his head when you least expect it, but I guess maybe it would be when you most expect it. Everyone expects it. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think everybody is expecting it. The, the only thing that could make this any better, I think, for Cleveland fans is if the the Twins, I don't think they actually have given up fully on Pagan, though I know their fans have been calling for it. But let's say they do, and Cleveland picks him up and makes him a usable reliever. <laughs> would, would that be the ultimate punch to the gut there for, for Twins fans? Yes. Yes. Was it in, uh, remember in 96, this is not apples to apples, but I was just thinking about this the other day for some reason. In 96, when they... Cut ties with Eddie Murray, and yes. everyone in the clubhouse was pissed. Then he goes back to Baltimore, and I think he had a pretty big series in the playoffs when they knocked out Cleveland. Yeah, he did, and I think he enjoyed every second of it. Yeah. As the story goes. Uh, speaking of former players having a good moment, we talked about Benson having that moment for the Reds, and now it's Nolan Jones hitting a ball that still has not landed. I think it's uh, up in the atmosphere along with those UFOs in Las Vegas. Walk-off bomb for Nolan Jones. I mean, are we going to do this anytime? Any former player? I mean, I, I get it. Like Teams make mistakes, and I'm not saying that this is one, but this happens. Cleveland has had so many players that other teams bailed on that became good in Cleveland. How many pitchers? They traded the last 21 innings of Vinny Pistano's career for Mike Clevenger. And Clevenger gave them a bunch of years and then gave them Naylor and Quantrill and Arias and Cantillo and everybody else. Like, this happens in baseball. I, 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 I get every fan base probably pulls their hair out over the ones that got away. And that's not to excuse things either. I mean, I... It was a curious trade at the time. It looks curious now, too, because they lack power in their lineup. I also, like, I'm not ready to declare it a terrible trade when, like, Juan Brito looks like a really good prospect, too. <laughs> he does. So, he looks yes, like a player. shout about Yandy Diaz. That's fine. That one will always, I think, eat at the fan base, and it should eat at the front office, too. Like, go ahead. That makes sense. But let's also not act like like Giovanni Urshela had so many chances here and in Toronto and in New York. Like I, I'm not relitigating Jesus Aguilar, and also like Owen Miller had two years here to prove he could hit major league pitching, and he didn't hit major league pitching, and he's not a good defender anywhere. So I, like 
congratulations to him. He's hitting well in Milwaukee. You heard it here first. I'd said that he would be a good big league hitter, but he didn't prove that in Cleveland. And I think sometimes when you are in this mode where you're trying to develop and you're trying to win, you just have to play the best options. And Owen Miller wasn't that for two years. So congratulations to him on playing well in Milwaukee. But like sometimes that just happens in baseball. It happens in baseball more than any other sport because there are a billion players. And it takes guys a long time sometimes to to figure it out. And if you're in the position of Cleveland never wanting to fully take a step back, you don't commit to two and a half years of bumbling performance. You only do that with your catchers. <laughs> By the way, Yandy yeah. Diaz, yeah, Yandy Diaz, maybe best hitter in baseball right now. Okay, maybe not, but in the conversation with the way that he's swung the bat, you say that, oh, well, what was Cleveland doing? They traded him for Jake Bowers. I know it was a complicated thing. It wasn't just Diaz for Bowers. But that's what everyone thinks of. Well, Jake Bowers is pulling a 115 WRC plus with the Yankees. So maybe Cleveland wasn't so wrong after all. They got five bombs, 15% above league average hitter. Jake Bowers, another guy they gave up on too soon. And I'm sure everybody that had tweets screaming about getting rid of Jake Bowers is now frantically deleting all of those tweets and asking Elon Musk to make sure that those things never resurface. I think that's a good way to end it. Thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. Clicking play on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We'll be back later this week over at Patreon. Patreon.com slash Selby is Godcast. Anything I'm else, Dad? What? Long, long time ago. I took vacation this week, and then I forgot to book a vacation. Whoops. No road trip for me. Father's Day at home. And random Jersey night Friday. Lake County Captains. Either. <laughs> <laughs>